This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. The way you are answering is boring. Eh? <laughs> is he good to you? Bye. Oh, good. I'm happy to be here once again. And uh, yesterday I got into the plane almost about, uh, I left home 5 a.m. to rush to the airport and got into the plane and uh, flying to Jobek. <clears throat> I sat next to a young man and um, they gave us the breakfast meal and I saw this young man bow down his head to pray for his meal. And then I said, oh God, this is a good opportunity to talk to the young man. And then um, we started talking and, uh, and all along he was trying to ask me to talk to me. That I seem to remember this face, but how do I start? But thank God I started talking myself. And it uh, happened uh, that he, I knew his father, who was the head of Transworld Radio. And uh, when he was about uh, seven years old, I went to their home and started speaking to the children. And he surrendered his life to the Lord. He said, yes, I remember. Um, that when I was young, you led me to the Lord. Uh, it was exciting, you know, to, to see this young man with beard like George. <laughs> and uh, he's grown up and on fire for God. And I was, I was really excited that we had this wonderful time. We exchanged telephones, emails, and so on. <clears throat> so I was really beaming with joy that I had at least someone... I could talk to in the plane, but got at Jobek to get to Cape Town, only to be told that my flight has been cancelled. Then I didn't have a phone to call Sears, and the communication was not there. So normally I don't panic, because when you panic, is going you are walking ahead of God. That's going ahead of God. Panicking or anxiety is going ahead of God. So I just said, now what do I do? While I'm praying in my spirit, it just says, go to the British airline. So I went to British airline. I said, um, I was supposed to go on Kulula. I don't have money. And here's my passport. How do I get to Cape Town? So they screened it. BA flights, and my name was there. And I said, now, if I was booked Kulura, how does my, my name come to BA? So they put me in the plane and uh, flew here. <laughs> so that's what God does. And I'm here. Praise the Lord. And I go to wonderful home where I'm staying, I think is, uh, some hotels are five stars, but this is seven stars. 
You know, with the love of Jesus, the joy of Christ makes it seven stars. But other hotels, they, you don't see that. It's artificial. It's artificial. Don't, that's why I don't like hotels. Because it's all made up to please a customer. But this hotel last night is the best. Because people are smiling, they love you, and I want to thank God. Praise the Lord. And I've got my granddaughter here. Is she here, Tia? Uh, can you stand up? They see how beautiful you are. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. that's my granddaughter. And her boyfriend is shy to stand up. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, they love the Lord. No one can be in my house and, and stay unsaved. <laughs> They have to be saved. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've come to South Africa. All watches in Malawi have been thrown to South Africa, where you keep uh, time. And I don't have a watch. So I preach in Malawi where I don't look at the watch. So here, my timer, I think you need to sit here, because there I won't sit see you. You need to sit here right in front of me. <laughs> Praise the Lord, <laughs> Yeah, she picked it up so high that I can see it. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Thank you so much. And then I, uh, um, when we got there, about I was we had you know dinner in Cape Town, and uh, I was preparing to sleep. I was exhausted, and then I get a text message from my brother, the naughtiest man in. Stellenbosch is serious. Very naughty. And he has a text message, can you preach on obedience and faith? I said, oh my goodness me. So I started working on the message from 10 o'clock to 1 a.m. <laughs> so I slept for four hours because of him. <laughs> I love him so much, but only the last night he has to come forward to be prayed for. <laughs> oh, praise God. Yeah, so I enjoyed even when I was working on the message, it was blessing me. It worked in my... So I'm sharing what has been a blessing into my life last night, reading the scriptures. I love the word of God. And I love the scriptures. And so... It's a broad uh, subject or theme, obedience and faith. <clears throat> it's like going to explore an elephant when you are a blind person. One will talk about the trunk, one will talk about the leg, one will talk about the big mountain, you know, because the stomach is like a mountain to the blind man. But uh, I want to take the way in a simple way with biblical examples. Amen. With biblical examples, that's where we get about obedience and faith. And these are interlocked. They are married. They cannot be separated. You can never have obedience without faith. You can never have faith without obedience. They are like the two legs of a Christian. You have to have those two legs to walk 
to your destination. Obedience and faith move together. Amen? Are we together? We move, they move together. There are two legs. You cannot have faith alone without obedience. These match together. And so let me read Romans chapter, um, uh, chapter one, which will lead us into our talk this morning. If you have got your Bibles, some they have in their cell phone, but the original one is the best one. This one. Ah, this is the best one than the cell phone one. The cell phone one is not inspired. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there were uh, some rooms. Oh, is it in Iraq or Iran? Somewhere there, there were some fires last week, and the whole building bent to pieces, and the cell phone bent. The the Bible, only one book didn't bend. The whole house was to ashes, except the Bible survived, and it was intact. No, no ashes, nothing. It never bent. This is a holy book. And I love it. Because it's God's word. So let's begin um, our talk from Romans chapter 1 where Paul says, Through him, not another person, through him, through Christ, through him, and for his sake, through Christ, now it is not only through Christ, but for his sake. When God forgives you, he forgives you for his name's sake. He doesn't forgive you because you have confessed your sins, you have knelt down because you are crying, you are in tears. No, he forgives you for his name's sake. Hallelujah. Are we together? That when God is forgiving you, he is doing it for himself. Because if he doesn't forgive you, he loses his holiness. So he's a jealous God about his character, about his holiness. That's why when you come to him, there's no way he can, other way he can do but just to forgive you. But many people don't approach God for their forgiveness because already they create doubt will he maybe perhaps he will forgive me because of the magnitude of my sins no matter what type of sins you have committed my brother my sister whether in secret or openly god will see your heart that you are truly truly repentant are we together you are truly repentant. So God has to forgive you because of his holiness. For his name's sake, he will forgive you. No matter the things you are struggling with right now, God will forgive you. So, Paul is talking about this walk of faith, obedience and faith. And he says here, through him, Christ, and for his sake, we received grace. Grace is something you don't work for. It is given freely you are given. So the Bible says freely you have received, 
freely give. So, God gives, forgives you for his name's sake. Through grace you have received. And apostleship. In other words, when God saves you, he gives you the grace. It's not that you are saved to sit down. Many people have been saved to sit comfortable. To say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So you end up becoming a narrow cabbage. A narrow cabbage, it floats and becomes bigger and bigger and is floating all the way to Egypt. It's floating. <laughs> bigger and bigger, but no purpose, nothing. So many Christians are narrow cabbages. Getting fatter and fatter and fatter in chauffeur church, but going nowhere, no producing results in their Christian faith. So you have received grace and apostleship. That is for service. Salvation army, they write S and S. You are saved from your sins to go and serve others. Are we together? You are not saved to sit. Are we together? <laughs> Many people who are saved to the city that two years they've never led someone to Jesus. You say you are born again, you love Jesus, but you don't talk about Jesus because maybe you have got a foot and mouth disease. Foot and mouth disease, you don't talk, you don't go. And you don't give. So when God saves you, he saves for his name's sake and gives, gives you this grace and apostleship for service. You are saved to go and save others. That's what Paul is talking here. Listen to what he's saying. And apostleship to call people. That's what we are saved from. To call people among all the Gentiles. Among all the Gentiles to the obedience. When you call them, you call these people to the obedience. Obedience of what? Obedience that come from faith. Amen? Obedience that come from faith. So obedience comes from faith. Faith produces also for, uh, obedience. These are interlocked. They are together. So when you have got obedience, automatically it creates faith in you. And when you have got faith, it creates also obedience. There is no way you can have faith in God but disobey God. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. When you obey God in obedience and faith, you are dealing with God first. You are dealing with God first. So when you obey God, that when God speaks to you, there's something wrong in your life, and you know you have to repent. Obedience starts from there. Where you say, yes, God, I agree with you. I obey what you are saying through your word. Then faith is produced from there. Amen? For example, when I came to Jesus, I didn't know about church. I didn't know one single verse. I didn't know how to read. I didn't know how to write. I was so stupid. The most stupid person. On, I think I should have been written in the world book of records. 
I was the most stupid guy because I didn't know I had never been in school. But the night I came to that big tent, not to hear the word of God, I hated the Bible, I hated Jesus because he was a white man with a long nose. And I didn't like white people with long nose. But thank God I love you too much now. Ah, man, I praise God. Hey, God is good, eh? You know, when I interact with people, I, you people, you see, I smile. But to me, I see myself as a miracle of the grace of God. Because you must be surprised, God, is this me, real me? Loving white people, is it real me? <laughs> because that was not my character. My character was kill every white man. You are very safe today, don't worry. <laughs> God is a wonderful God. So, you, you build that faith and obedience, they march together. And it says in Romans chapter 1, in Romans chapter 1, it goes on to say, even, oh, no, no, in Romans chapter 1, it says, from faith and you among, you are also among those who are called to belong. To Jesus, not to chauffeur. To belong to who? To Jesus. Brethren, when you come here to this family fellowship, it is all trying to call you from your situation, from your failure, from your weakness, from who you are, from those struggles in your life, from your fears, to so that you may belong to this person called Jesus. Then when you belong to him, fear goes away. Then you start obeying the king of kings with Jesus. Amen. So when I came to that big tent, I didn't understand one bit of anything. But I sat there, the preacher preached faithfully the word of God, as I said. I didn't like his finger. But that finger was pointing at my life. I tried to dodge it, but you can never hide from the finger of God. And that night I was under deep conviction. I've never cried before. Even in pain, I never cried. But that night, with the word of God, I cried. I cried and walked with my AK-47. I was kneeling down with my AK-47. Some of you come here with your Bibles and with your cell phones, but I came with my AK-47. Are we together? I was crying that day, and then, first thing what I did, I heard the word. Are we together? Because there are some who hear the word of God, but they become statues. They become statues. They don't respond to what God is saying. But me, I hear the word of God. Something pricked me. I started crying. Last October, I was preaching in Germany, in Hamburg, and Hanoi. And when I preached in this church, I made an appeal. So many people, over 100 people came forward crying, including the pastor's wife was crying. The church elders were crying. And the pastor said, we've never seen anything like this in 50 years. I said, if you've been preaching in 50 years, no people were crying. What were you preaching? 
What were you preaching? What type of gospel were you preaching? Now the service was supposed to end at 11 o'clock, but we ended up to 9 o'clock in the evening because people were still crying, were still repenting. We were doing the counseling that, night, that day. They forgot about their lunches. That's when God speaks. People obey the word of God and they respond. And faith is created in them. Are we together? Amen. Should I stop? Oh, I thought you put 30 minutes already. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. Yes, I love preaching Jesus. I can go on. I like preaching in Malai because we don't stop. <clears throat> yeah, so Jesus as a young boy obeyed his parents. Are we together? That's an example. When he was a little boy, the Bible says he went home and obeyed his parents. If you look, read in Luke chapter 5 verse 51, he obeyed his parents. His earthly parents, he obeyed them. But when he grew up, he didn't stop there as an adult. In Philippians 2 verse 8, and he says in Philippians 2 verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. That type of obedience that come what may, I'm ready to die. And how many people have been killed in the Arab countries, in the Islamic countries, because they loved Jesus and they were beheaded. They were, you know, raped. Young girls were raped. Well, I saw a, a video of, of a six-year-old boy, I mean girl, raped by these Arab soldiers. Ten of them raping a six-year-old girl. Come what may, even unto death. Obedience that takes you to somewhere where you want to go. Hallelujah. That's obedience. Obedience is not a, a something, a play game. Obe this obedience, you begin obeying God and faith in him. That faith is created inside you. As I said, it is, this is a broad, uh, a broad subject we can tackle it in different ways. But obedience and faith are like two legs of a Christian. You walk obedience and faith. In any such situation, you are dealing with God. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 15. Verse 22 to 23. <clears throat> this is Samuel talking to Saul, King Saul. After he was sent, go and kill everything. Destroy everything. But what does he do? He takes the beautiful girls, the beautiful animals, the fat animals. He keeps them for himself for the sacrifice to the Lord. But God, when he says everything, he means everything. Don't spare one thing. Don't, but the soul comes and says, I have obeyed the Lord. Then Samuel says these words, following words, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat rams. For rebellion is like the 
sin of divination and arrogance like the evil idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, disobedience, if there's something God hates, is disobedience. One time I was preaching in a big crusade in Masingo, in Harare, in Zimbabwe, uh, near, you know, uh, the ruins there. As we were preaching during that week, the Lord spoke to me. Very clear word. Go and speak to such such businessman, a top businessman, well respected in Masingo. And God says, go now and speak to that man. So I took my Bible and, you know, what did I do? I went to the mountain to go and pray. And I go to the mountain there, knelt down, praying earnestly, reading my Bible, how I would talk to that businessman. All my prayers, all my reading the Bible was sinful before God. That was not dis, uh, that was not obedience to God. God Himself sent me to the to the businessman, but I turned this way to go and pray to who? To pray to who? God has already sent me to go and talk to that man. Why do I go need to go and pray? What I needed was to obey God and move straight away to that businessman. But all my time to the mountain, to the prayer, to the reading of the Bible was sinful before God. I had to repent the most bitter way. And as I was coming down from the mountain, as I go down, I hear that businessman had an accident and died on the spot. And I was carrying the blood of that man. Because God had told me, go to the businessman now. And I said, I'm going to pray. So all my prayers there were sinful. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? You are looking at me like... (laughs) You see, obedience... Let's take the example of Abraham... Let's take the as a Genesis chapter 22. <clears throat> Are we together, church? Say amen properly. Hey, we are in Africa, not in Europe. Europe, they don't know how to shout. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Here we lose our dignity when we love Jesus too much. <laughs> amen. If you come in my Presbyterian, when we are some of the singing, you know, they, that's how they clip their hands. Because they are big CEOs of companies. <laughs> but you know, when you love Jesus, you lose your CEO. You love him passionately. Amen. Genesis 22. Let's read. Let's, let's look at Genesis 22 together. Man, I love this. I love this guy called Abraham. Ma, what a great man. That teaches us about obedience. Are we together, church? Now, when you obey God and you have faith in God, God will test that obedience and your faith. Who test it? Who put it to test? He has put to test my faith, my love for Jesus so many times. Go to see do I really mean what I say 
when I say I love Jesus too much. When you love him too much, he will put that too much to test. Are we together? Don't say just say it. Yeah, you put it to test to see are you saying the truth? You put it up to test. I've been tested as a young man. I've been tested when I'm married. I've been tested several times. Several times. I stayed in, in California with a, a, a pastor of one church I won't mention. And that pastor, I stayed, he was working as a banker. <clears throat> and he went to, to work and uh, <clears throat> I was left in the morning doing my Bible study, my quiet time, praying. And suddenly, the wife of the pastor comes with a cup of tea, coffee in the morning. But she's wearing a see-through dress. And here I am in my bed, and you almost exposed. And I said, Mom, I don't want tea, coffee. He said, no, but you're going to drink. And then she, she does something further. She sits by my bed. Test number one. <laughs> what do you do in such a situation? You become angry. Godly anger comes to you. When you have got that godly anger, chase her out like a demon. <laughs> you don't play. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the way you cast out demons, that's how you cast out her. I asked her to move out from, this, uh, from that bed and walk out. And uh, this time I was angry. She could see that I was angry. When we black people, we become angry. We become too black. <laughs> so she had to walk out. And uh, about 10 o'clock, I called our office in L.A. And I said, move me out from this house. I want to go to the hotel. So they moved out, me away to the hotel. You know, when you love Jesus too much, don't think that you, you'll be left alone. You'll be tested in that love, whether you really mean it. If you are a young girl, you'll be tested. That love you love Jesus, in your relationship, that's where God comes to test you. A boy comes like Esau, Esau coming to Jacob, I'm famished. That's what Esau said to Jacob, I'm famished. Give me this stew I want to eat. Now, when he's famished, let him die. Let him die. So a boy will come, I'm famished. I'm famished for sex. Famished. Because he cries persistently, you give in. That's why you are tested in your relationship. How much do you love God? So God tests Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. Let me read quickly because I'm running to another service. Ah, hey, Shofar, I love Shofar very much. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. His faith and his obedience is being tested by God. Are we together? Tested by God. Now, what does God say to him? 
God says, take your son, your only son. And God is emphasizing that to Abraham that it sinks inside. Take your son. It doesn't stop there. Your only son. It doesn't stop there. The one you love. The one you love. Can you imagine? At a hundred years, that's when he had this boy. In other words, maybe he had been waiting for 60 years or for so many years waiting for a child. Now this child comes at 100 years and God comes, take your son. The one you love. Go and sacrifice him for me. You know, Abraham, what I like, his obedience. He doesn't go and call for a family committee. Uncles come here. This is what I've heard from God. Even Sarah didn't know what was happening. The wife didn't know what was happening. Even the servants didn't know what was happening. It was God and Abraham. Even the servants didn't know what was happening. Look at the obedience of this man. The Bible says the next day, he didn't wait for another week. The next day, the following day. Because when you wait too long, you start thinking. You start debating. You have a committee in your head, a chairman in your head, a secretary in your head. You make some vote in your head. One man, one vote. Against God. <clears throat> Against God. No, Abraham didn't have that. Didn't discuss with the wife. He said the following day, he gathered what? Wood. To go, you know, he's gathering this wood. He doesn't question God. God, I've been waiting for years. Like my brother, you are going to have a first one. And in May, God says, I mean, about May, says, God, give me that child for a second. Ah, Lord, I think you are mistaken here. <laughs> we have been, we want this child too much. No, Abraham didn't debate with God, didn't ask God, didn't ask questions. Sometimes this obedience is like when God is saying, if you want to get married, are you obeying God or the flesh is moving you because the girl is beautiful, is gorgeous, she has got a degree or things he has or he has. You know, you don't really struggle with God. Marrying my wife, I waited eight years. In between, there were other girls coming. Some would come, uh, Stephen, I had a dream. I said, what dream? Uh, the, the Lord is telling me that you'll be my husband. <laughs> I said, he has spoken to you, but he hasn't spoken to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I waited eight years. Eight years was tough. In between, I would preach. Even parents would bring their daughters for me to marry their daughters. But I was passionate about the Lord. I wanted to hear what God was going to say to me. I, wanted, I didn't want to make a mistake because I had seen my father making a blunder by divorcing my mother. I had seen my uncles. I've seen uncles and aunties. The only person in my generation, my father and my mother, the only first person who has married once is me. It's me. 
Never divorced. Last December, we celebrated 50 years together. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> I was stuck to my wife. And I was the one always repenting in my home. Apologizing. That's why I've lost my hair, because she prayed for me. <laughs> my brother, she has to pray for you. <laughs> wow. Because after about five years, my wife says, why do you always repent even if it's me who has done wrong? It's you who apologize. I said, honey, I want peace. <laughs> Amen. I just want peace. <laughs> you know, because my motto is no attack, no defense. No attack, no defense. She says you are wrong. You know, if you want to explain, you, you make more fire bang. But the only thing is just kneel down and say, honey, I apologize. <laughs> Simple. I've done my job. <laughs> and she would say, well, I, I kneel down, pray for me. She would pray for me. In Jesus' name, my father, I forget. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yet it's her who has done it wrong. Two days later, she comes to me. Ah, why did you repent? Yes, I realized it's me who was wrong. I said, it's already gone. I've, I've apologized on your behalf to me. <laughs> That's the only way you, you keep the peace. Because our, our dear sisters, when they start talking, <laughs> they are graduates in talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the only way as a husband is to keep peace is to apologize, humble yourself. Don't you don't lose anything. It's better not to don't win the argument, but win the wife. Many people they win the argument, but you lose the wife. Are we together? Win, lose the argument, but win your wife. That's your motto, win her. When you win her, you have got peace in the house. Hallelujah. Amen. So early in the morning, they took off. They started going to the... He took with him his servants and his son Isaac. When he had enough wood, the Bible says, when he had enough wood, enough wood is to go and burn your child. Your son, enough food. That's obedience. When God sends you to do something difficult, you must have something enough. Are we together? Have something enough. <laughs> to go and sacrifice that one in which you love so much. There are many people who are here. There are things you need to sacrifice, but you must have enough wood. Enough faith. Enough trust. Enough that, oh, yes, God, I'm going to do this. I've got too much fear. I, I, I'm afraid of being poor. I'm afraid of this. Sometimes it's fear of death, fear of something unknown, all these things. Sacrifice that thing you fear too much, but you must have enough wood. Are we together? Enough wood. This morning, I want to see men and women who say, God, I haven't obeyed enough like Abraham. I haven't obeyed enough. God, some of you, 
have been called by God, not to maybe people call full-time, but no, even a Christian, you are full-time. Wherever you are, you are full-time. Amen. It's not serious. It's not George who are full-time because they are not working in the bank. You too, when you are born again, from day one, you are full-time. I was born again on Sunday. On Sunday, I was full-time in the Lord. On Monday, I was dirty. I had my shorts with two windows. I was thinking my hair was full of lies. I was horrible. I got into the bus to go to the police to surrender myself because God said to me, Stephen, go and surrender your guns, your bombs to the police. I said, God, they are going to hang me. He said, go. And I was prepared to go to be hanged because God has said I went. And when I was in the bus, people all with handkerchiefs because the, the smell there, the odor was horrible. And I started sharing my testimony in the bus. First day, born again on Monday, I mean on Sunday, on Monday, I won 15 people to Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, was, I was on fire for God. Nothing could stop me. When you see the goodness of the Lord, His glory, His beauty, you can zip your mouth. You can't. You can't. Because you have seen too much of His goodness that a sinner like me can be saved. I go to the police. They said, if your Jesus has forgiven you, we forgive you too. What a glorious Savior. You have murdered many people. You have got so much blood in your hands. And yet heaven says, I forgive you. The police says, we forgive you. What type of grace? Love. I mean, you just say, God, I want to thank you. Wow. But God, that's why those who have been forgiven too much, they love too much. When I say I love Jesus, it's because the way I was forgiven. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me come to a close quickly because I don't want you to hate me. So, obedience. So, he had wood and so on. And at a distance, at a distance, he saw a place there. The place over there. Over there is where a place you are going to sacrifice your things in your life. Over there. Over there is there at the cross. At the cross, when you see over there, the devil doesn't stop people to be pastors. He says, go and worship the Lord your God. He has never stopped someone to be a Christian. He said, go and worship the Lord. He has never stopped someone to be a deacon, to be an elder, to, to come to chauffeur. He said, go over there. But what he doesn't like is for you to get over there to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when you get to the cross, your things are dealt with. All your things are dealt with. And that's why when he, before you came in this service this morning, the devil was here already with his glue on the chairs. You want to stand up to go over there, you are stuck. <laughs> because he has put glue already. You are stuck, you are battling inside. 
God says, go over there. And the son who was to be sacrificed says, dad, we have got wood, we have got fire, but where is the sacrifice? He doesn't know. He himself is the sacrifice. Are we together? So they go there. Abraham still has a knife. He doesn't compromise. And said, where's the lamb, dad? He said, God will provide. That's faith. So obedience was going. Faith in Abraham is there. He tells his servant, said, wait here. We will come back to you. He's not saying, I will come back alone. But we will come. That's faith. Obedience creates what? Faith. We will come back to you. And he did come back with Isaac. Hallelujah. Let me stop there. But let me jump to Peter. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. He said, Jesus, is it you? He said, yes. Bid me to come to you. He says, come. Now, <laughs> obedience is, you can see the sea, the water. But Peter heard the word come. He had to obey to take this leg out of the boat into the water. That's faith. That's obedience. He's obeying God. He's obeying Jesus by taking his leg out of the boat into the water. So when he touches water, Peter was not walking on water, but the faith was carrying Peter on the water. Are we together? <laughs> hey man, the way you are looking at me as if I'm ugly. <laughs> I'm the most handsome man in the world, actually. <laughs> so, as Peter is walking on water, faith was carrying him. But the moment he looks at the waves, he thinks, he says, Jesus, save me. Not long prayer, not those written prayer in the Anglican, in the Roman Catholic, in what, no, otherwise you've been going down, down to read that prayer. <laughs> but he says, Lord, save me. One minute, God lifts him up, and he was saved. And he rebukes, where's your faith? Brother, sister, maybe you're here. You're already thinking, just cry that cry. God save me from this fear, from this problem. That obedience and faith works in your marriage, works at work, where you work. You show your obedience. It's like joining the military. In the military, you have to lose everything. What they demand in the military is your obedience and your faith in the government you are serving. Amen? <laughs> Because when you join the military, they squeeze out everything of Stellenbosch out of you. Everything. Here in Stellenbosch, this is how you walk. <laughs> but you join the military, you join there, first thing, they shave off your hair. And then they train you to stand at attention, chest out. And the commander will say, you are stupid. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you are a fool. Thank you, sir. All what they're doing is squeezing out all this Stellenbosch behavior. The way you think, your mindset, they change that. Six months, 
you walk like a military person. You look at a person like a military person. That's what Jesus was doing here to change your mindset. So Peter was changed. And lastly, when in John chapter 9, the blind man, he says, he put some mud. He says, go and wash at the pool of Syria. From here, it was obedience. Going there, it was faith. Obedience. Faith. Obedience. He's walking to the pool of Syria. He gets there, he kneels down, he washes his, hair, his eyes. He can see. It starts with obedience creates faith. Obedience creates what? Faith. <laughs> Are we together? <laughs> Am I puzzling you? Don't invite me again if I'm puzzled. So obedience and faith, they are working together. Then he washes, he can see. Yes, I can see, I can see. But all this distance, he was obeying, creating faith at the same time. Then he was, he could see. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey those old songs. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> As I close, my brother, sister, there are so many notes, I'm leaving everything. But if sometimes you are struggling, if you say, I haven't obeyed God enough, the way I should, I haven't, that obedience hasn't created my faith in me. But today, enough is enough. I'm going all the way to the cross. So many times the devil says, go to Shofar, go and pray, but don't go as far as the cross. But today he said, ah, I'm passing through Shofar. I'm going to the cross where my things have to be dealt with. My fears, my spirit, sometimes you want to hang yourself. Sometimes you are free of ex afraid of exams. You tremble. You are terrified about life. Maybe in your marriage you haven't practiced this obedience and that faith in your marriage. You say, God, I've been an arrogant person. I want today to deal with my own life. To be on top of the mountain. To love you passionately. To walk with you passionately. I'm tired of up and down Christianity. I want to be on top. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.